T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one... They're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. When there's conversation around the change that Midtown Detroit's Cass Corridor has gone through the term gentrification is almost assuredly to come up. It's an abusive word because people are usually using it as a club to knock somebody over the head and not thinking broadly about the impact of the work that people have done. What is the best way to view the Cass Corridor and Midtown? Or maybe the better question is, which way is the most fair? This is The Daily J. I'm Zach Clark. In January, a Detroit staple, the Avalon Bakery, announced it was closing its flagship location on Willis Street in the city's Cass Corridor. That got my colleague Annie Scaramazzino thinking about the amount of change the Cass Corridor and Midtown have gone through across the last half century. So, we got to work. We made our way down to Cass Corridor and to Midtown, the place that we walked through when we were there, it's different than it was throughout multiple stretches of time. And, you know, in the 1970s, the Cass Corridor was a magical place, at least if you ask artist Robert Sestock. It was a magical experience when everybody came together to start the Willis Gallery in 1971. There were art studios in the neighborhood in the convention hall building, there were art studios, that's where I was, and in the common ground for the arts, there were studios up there that was kind of next to the Willis Gallery. So you had this situation where there's a group of artists working, and then the gallery idea developed, and that gelled the community together. You know, everybody had a show there for about 10 years. So the Midtown that we essentially see and love today, it's like the only Midtown I've really ever known as an adult person. And I've always heard about Cass Corridor. Obviously, there's still a lot of references to Cass Corridor in that area, especially being an artist hub in the 60s and 70s. But these days, it's more of a place where you go for nightlife and go to go shopping or go to a good restaurant and things like that. When you talk to John Moak, who's a law professor at Wayne State University, he's an expert also in urban planning. He told us Annie the Cass Corridor went through a rough stretch starting in the 1980s. It had a tough time. Cass Corridor was part of it, an area of slums at one time. And from the point of view of those who were in the middle and upper middle income class, it had a very negative connotation. I'm sure it was very difficult for any small business person 
because it had a chilling effect on the ability to attract patrons. It had a reputation of being a high crime area. As the city has begun to stabilize and as organizations in the area, large and small, began to go about the business in earnest trying to address the issues, there's been reversal of fortune. And now the area is on the upswing. It's interesting because a lot of what we've spoken about during the course of making this episode is the concept of what's in a name, whether you're calling it Cass Corridor, whether you're calling it Midtown, those different names kind of trigger people in different ways. Some people think of the Cass Corridor as being a place that was dangerous to go and that had a lot of crime, and it did. But other people think of the Cass Corridor as being a more nostalgic place that was this creative hub, and it means a lot to them. And it was their home neighborhood. Maybe they went to Cass Tech or they went to Wayne State. So even though sometimes the Cass Corridor does have this negative connotation, it also carries a really positive connotation, too, for a lot of Detroiters. John Moak mentioned that despite that downturn, things have changed. And he says that's thanks to organizations putting in the work. And throughout the reporting of this episode, Annie, one name really rose above the rest. And that name is Sue Mosey. For over 30 years, she's been the CEO of Midtown Detroit Incorporated. It's a nonprofit group that has brought together groups from around Midtown. Sue is quick to point out that Cass and Midtown, Annie, they're not the same thing. You talk about what's in a name, and we learn something. As Sue told us, The name Midtown was never meant to replace Cass Corridor. And in fact, it actually doesn't just deal with Cass Corridor. I mean, Midtown in its sort of borders is much larger than just that one neighborhood. Midtown and the Cass Corridor are not the same. You have Brush Park, you have Medical Center, you have Art Center, you have Wayne State, you have North Cass, and you have South Cass. Everybody always combine North and South Cass into the Cass Corridor, which is fine. Midtown, just like the organization, is an umbrella of lots of individual interests. The Midtown name is a geography name, and it's meant to represent a geography north of the downtown that's flanked by a bunch of freeways. And the reason why that name really was developed, and it's developed in almost every city for a similar geography, is so that visitors and people and businesses understand that there's sort of like its own economy operating in that zone. There's a conversation that people don't like to have or that people do like to have. It's very polarizing, this conversation. You can't talk about Detroit's comeback, Annie, in any form without talking about gentrification. Despite the rap it gets, John Moak, who is an urban planner and a professor at Wayne State, says the gentrification isn't always as bad as people make it seem. I feel like often when we do these podcasts together, Zach, especially when we deal with topics that go further in depth, there's never anything that's all good and all bad for the most part. There hasn't been much gentrification over the past half century, but now it's taking place in downtown Midtown and out the Michigan Avenue corridor as the Ford Motor Company brings its innovation center into the Michigan Depot. Middle and upper income individuals begin to buy and rent in an area, which is what gentrification is. The owners of rental property are able to command higher rent. They will terminate the lease of the lower income residents. So it has to be a balance struck to protect the lower income residents, but not necessarily to turn off gentrification because there are no low income areas that are able to redevelop themselves without some degree of gentrification. 
So with this sort of gentrification comes businesses that are being attracted to that neighborhood that are bringing with them money and then attracting new people to come live there and spend their money helping with the economic development. So there's that angle of it. But then, of course, you have your neighborhood mainstays, the people that propped up that neighborhood when everybody else left. And then sometimes, you know, unfortunately, as we've all heard before, those neighborhood anchors get pushed out because they can't afford to be there anymore. You mentioned neighborhood mainstays, right? And you can't talk about neighborhood mainstays. You can't talk about Midtown. You can't talk about the Cass Corridor without talking about Janet Webster Jones. She's the owner of Source Booksellers. And you know what? She's pretty popular. It's turned out. Bye, Peter. Thank you so much. <laughs> um, this is an area that can be And that gets transferred into what people do. Hey, come on in. Good to see you. Good. Okay, just leave them up there. Yeah, I mean, Janet, you meet her and you talk to her for 30 seconds and you can understand why she's so beloved in that community. You know, her and her daughter operate and run that bookstore together. Janet has been selling books in Detroit for 30 years. We asked her, Annie, for all of the reasons you just said, we asked her what she thought about gentrification. And to be fair, we asked Sue from Midtown Inc. what she thought about gentrification, and she was pretty dismissive of the notion. So too was Janet. When she hears that word, she bristles. I wonder mm-hmm. when you hear it. I bristle too, because those words are loaded words. They've been used and misused by a lot of people. It's an abusive word. People are going to react and respond to it. So I would prefer that it not be used, because people are usually using it as a club to knock somebody over the head and not thinking broadly about the impact of the work that people have done. And so changes have all the parts of positivity and not so positive. Some people like to say gentrification because it's a way of saying people came here who don't belong here and they ran us out. That's what they're saying when they say that. They're not saying, wow, look at the development that's going on around here. Look at all these buildings. Look how beautiful the architecture is in Detroit. They're not saying that. They're just saying, Somebody came here like they own it and that nobody else can come. I think in Janet's case, she believes that those sort of sweeping words, those sort of like buzzwords like gentrification aren't used actually to educate people on something that's happening and instead used to sort of, as she said, hit them over the head with it or sort of, you know, scold them. She doesn't like that term because she thinks it's only associated with negative things. And she doesn't think that people really understand the full concept when they're using it. Annie, just to be clear, just because Sue doesn't view gentrification as an issue doesn't mean she doesn't think about things like income inequality and what can be done to help those who need things like affordable housing. In fact, she thinks about it a lot. You know, it's tricky, but I think we've done a good job of really keeping a really good balance of types of people that live here. We have a lot of affordable housing. I don't think people realize that the Woodward Corridor, which means Midtown and New Center, of the city's approximately 20,000 rent-restricted units, we have 4,000 of them, and we are only 2% of the city land area. But 20%. Yes, of all the units. People tend to think, oh, we're all the low-income people. They're not in Midtown. Well, you know what? Yes, they are. They're in Midtown and New Center, folks. They've always been. We try to always keep 30% rent restricted. We way prefer a mixed income model everywhere. Like, you know, 70-30, 60-40, 50-50. And a lot of developers do do mixed income, and it works out better for everyone. You still have a very robust affordable housing community here. 
the people that live there really love it a lot. And there's always been this sort of collaborative effort and a, sort of an effort where people have each other's backs. And I think that that extends to even something like the Midtown Development, where they're very motivated to improve that area and to bring business and economic development. But they also want to make sure that the folks that have been living there don't get pushed out. So people like Sue put in a concerted effort to try to make sure that doesn't happen. We were very fortunate to sit with Janet for about an hour, and I learned a thousand lessons. It was a wonderful experience. And there was, among many things, there was something that she kept saying over and again, because we were talking about places, right? And she kept telling us, it's not the place, it's the people. So no matter if you're talking about Midtown, Cass Corridor, New Center, any of it, it's the people, Annie. You know, that is so true of Detroit in general. The people of Detroit, they have a lot of get up and go. They're resilient. They're creative. They're collaborative. It's this industrialist meets artistic meets like Midwest mentality, right? Like people want to help each other here. We want to succeed. Detroit has a little different vibe on it. First of all, Detroit is a place where people work. We are not tourists here. (laughs) People work in Detroit, even people who have a little something work. So there's a mentality of work and helping each other out. Remember, many people came here from the Middle South and the Deep South, and they brought their habits with them. Having a garden and working, making a good living, which is why they came, and sending their children to college. Detroit has that spirit about it. Folks just turn out. When somebody needs something, they just turn out. You know, that happens. And I think it happens in business, too. But it has to be initiated by somebody. Not everybody has that. But it's also part of the trust that we can have with each other. We know each other. We send people to each other. So that collaboration part is big. Annie, we started this episode talking about what's in a name. And this is going to be really frustrating for our listeners, probably. You know what the answer I got? Nothing and everything. The name is what you want it to be. It doesn't have to be anything sweeping, but if it's how you want to define yourself, it can be that too. One of the things about this area that I love so much is our nostalgia. We have a lot of pride in these things that we love from around the city. And I think that's true of the Cass Corridor too. And we can call it Midtown if we want to sort of encapsulate that area with all the different areas that it actually involves. You can still call it Cass Corridor if you want to. You can call it Detroit's Midtown Cass Corridor. You can really call it anything. So of course, people that are at Wayne State now, they're probably going to call it Midtown. And the folks that were there in the 60s and 70s as a part of the artist movement, they're always going to call it Cass Corridor. It gives us all sort of a badge of who we are and when we were there and what about that neighborhood we love the most. And that's kind of a cool thing. Today's big thanks go to Annie Scaramazzino, Janet Webster-Jones, Sue Mosey, Robert Sestock, and John Moak. Check out WWJNewsRadio.com for the top local news stories on demand 24-7. You can have the Daily J delivered right to you every day. It's easy. Subscribe using the Odyssey app or get it wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Zach Clark, and this is the Daily J. Thanks for listening. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. 
Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month without a pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. Protect your vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.